What's up, y'all? It's Will here at Schedule Fly. So, this is a really cool episode for so many reasons. Uh, the the least being that it's the first time in since February of 2020, two years, that we've had an opportunity to do an in-person episode. So that was cool. This happens to be um, at a restaurant that's like 30 minutes from my house. It's down in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's a place called Counter with a K. You'll never forget this story. Uh, For 12 years now, we've had the opportunity to interview hundreds and hundreds of restaurant owners around the country. We've shared stories in two books, over 300 podcast episodes, uh, quite a few uh, films that we've made over the years. And all of them have been incredible opportunities to hear the stories of people that have started a restaurant and why they love what they do and why they uh, do what they do and lessons they've learned and wisdom they've gained and changes in how they view the industry from when they started to where they are now. Um, They've all been fantastic. There are just a couple of stories that I don't think I'll ever forget hearing the story for the first time. The, the first one is Sup Dogs, Brett Oliverio at Sup Dogs in Greenville, North Carolina, and also Chapel Hill, North Carolina now. We'll never forget that story. Uh, if you haven't had that story, go to the Sup Dogs website. We made a film about it. Brett's been on the podcast numerous times. Great story. I'll put this one right up there as um, one I'll never forget. This is such a unique story. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it here. I'll let Rob Massone uh, tell that story, which he does. And this this episode is, I, that's, I think it's about an hour. Uh, it was there a while. We had a great time. Just a very cool, unique opportunity uh, with, with an event that happened in 19, well, let's just say it happened 60 years ago at this exact location. And a very memorable story that Rob and his team and the Rock Hill community have embraced. And he has, uh, he's launched this quite a, quite a place, a very special place at counter started December 15th, 2020, right in the heart of COVID. And, um, they're doing very, very well. And when you hear this story, you'll understand why. So, Thank you for listening. I should say that, uh, as I, I think I said in the last episode, we've never had sponsors. We are the sponsor, Schedule Fly. If uh, you want to have a very simple, clean, easy way to schedule and communicate with your hospitality team, whether it's a restaurant or a ice cream shop or a coffee shop or a brewery or a distillery or whatever the case may be, if you're in hospitality, um, we're here for you. Uh, we can make scheduling and communication super easy, and we take great care of our customers. Uh, hit schedulefly.com, check us out, 30 day free trial. Anything you need, let us know. Happy to help. Okay, so with that, thank you for listening. More of these coming soon. So awesome to get to do this in person. So awesome to get to meet Rob. 
great story here. And uh, y'all stay tuned. Take care. Thanks. All right. We are, we're rolling, man. Nice. Um, Rob, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Rob Massone. Everybody calls me Chef Rob. Um, I'm the executive chef and owner of uh, Create Experiences uh, Counter down in Rock Hill. Got a little concept called Twisted Eats. Um, and I co own a couple places in Seaside, Florida uh, Crepes du Soleil and um, uh, Cocina Cabana. Dude, you must delegate pretty well. You got a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> that's all about uh, having a great team, Will. That's for sure. Uh, so, first of all, I want to thank you for doing this. This is this is the first in person podcast I have done in just a, well two years. Um, I was in Colorado right before COVID hit um, in February of. 2000, literally about this time I think it literally may have been this this same week and uh, you know came back and all hell broke loose I love doing these in person uh, I, I, I enjoy zoom it's great but anytime I can do them in person it's so cool so yeah. uh, this is a this is a special one so thank you for I'm happy to happy to be the first man keep keep that thing there yeah. we go happy to be the first I definitely uh, am uh, tired of zoom meetings myself I think with most of the rest of the country probably the world oh boy well good for them uh they've done well and it's it's cool it has its place um there are times now when it's 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 cool to be able to do that but um nothing like doing this in person so so we're down here uh folks that are listening in rock hill south carolina as rob said uh i'm fortunately like 30 minutes from here which is great so we could do this and we're in his restaurant counter uh which we're going to talk. We're going to talk about counter and the story behind this because this is like just a phenomenal, incredible story behind this place. And the way that y'all are honoring this story is just so badass, man. So give give everybody the the story about this uh, this this place that we're in right now and why it's so special. Yeah, of course. I'd be happy to. Um, so, like you said, we're in uh, we're in Counter. We spell Counter with a K down here. Um, that's the mother company, uh, Create, spelled with a K, Create Experiences. And so that's where the, the crazy K came from. But um, we're in the old McCrory's building <clears throat> and uh, in uh, 135 East Main Street. And in 1961, um, this was uh, the spot of... Uh, one uh, of a pretty famous sit-in that became known as the uh, the Friendship Nine sit-in, and basically what happened is ten African American gentlemen sat down at the counter um, one day in in January, and they simply just ordered lunch, and uh, they were they were seated for probably about ten seconds before they were uh, refused service and stood up by the police officers that were already standing behind them. Um, in 1961, well, the the police uh, <clears throat> the police house or the police station was right in the back of this parking lot on White Street. So the guys were walked out in handcuffs and uh, put into the put into the city jail, and they were given the option to uh, pay a hundred dollar fine um, and go on about their way, or they were given the option to do 30 days hard labor on the chain game. So what happened was uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, his attorney paid the bail so he wouldn't lose his scholarship to Friendship College. And the remaining nine gentlemen, 
they chose to do the time um, and do the time on the chain gang. And they started the phrase jail, no bail, coined the phrase jail, no bail, which picked up a lot of traction um, nationwide. Martin Luther King started to pick this up. And now everybody's starting to do this jail, no bail uh, movement. And what that did is it actually turned around, turned the coin around on on the cities and the states that were uh, supporting this oppression and 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 segregation at the lunch counters and basically these guys for the first time made uh the cities pay to incarcerate them they had to feed them they had to clothe them they had to take care of them any health needs they had to pay it cost the city money to incarcerate these guys i guess they did they did the chain gang and the hard labor but at the end of the day they weren't paying a hundred dollars back into the system uh just to to further it um so it was uh you know, we've got the original counter, uh, the pink formica the, with the original nail holes, the original coffee stains, uh, just like they sat at it in 1961. And I, I remember sitting down with Mr. David Williamson um, at, at the beginning of this, and I, and I wanted to get his blessing on doing this project because um, it was there was a lot of, you know, I didn't get a lot of crap for doing this, but... Um, at the beginning, people were looking looking at me like, okay, well, why are you spelling this with a K? And you're you're a white gentleman, and different things like that. So I really wanted his his blessing on the space. And we sat down when we were in demo phase, and I had just uncovered the counter and the, the original countertop, and it was just all dusty and grungy. But he hadn't seen it um, since since then, and. He, we sat there for about 45 minutes, about 20 minutes we were on camera talking, and about for another thir- 25 or 30 minutes we just sat down there and we were just talking, and it was just like talking to my granddad. And we weren't talking about anything specific. We were just having conversation, and the entire time we were talking, he was just rubbing on that rubbing on that counter right at his seat. His name's right down there, number six, and he was just running, running his hand on that counter, just subconsciously doing this the whole time. And I knew at that point I was like, there's no way we're covering this back up. There's no way we're changing this. Uh, we are going to create the entire concept um, of counter around the lunch counter, and um, that's exactly what we did. So we have a live cooking station behind the counter. at four. We're open for lunch six days a week and dinner six days a week, but at 4 o'clock this turns into a chef's table. So the premier seating in the restaurant is at the counter where you get to interact with myself or you get to interact with my sous chef um, and and you get to watch the, the dishes being made and the items being made. We've got induction burners right here in front of you and it's just a very, it's an awesome experience. And that's what we've been able to do is create an experience at the counter in a, in a positive way. And in 1961, you, you couldn't sit here as an African-American man or woman um, and order lunch at the counter. Now you have people from all walks of life here at the counter and and this is the the furthest thing from segregation or or uh, anything racist that it could be we've got folks come in with sweatpants and tennis shoes and jogging suit sitting next to a woman in a dress that's sitting next to a man with a sports coat and a rolex and everybody's having conversation everybody's enjoying the food everybody we're talking about what happened here in 1961 and we're talking about what's happening here in 2020 and 2021 and now 2022 and it's it's about never letting anybody forget what happened here but like turning it into such a positive 
manner. Um, and the guys that are still with us, they come in um, on a pretty regular basis, um, and it's really nice to have them. And all of our guests, if they're in here and one of the members of, of the nine come in, I mean, it's it's they're local, they're celebrities. They like they love to see these guys come in and, and these guys like the attention too, but man, it's not about that for them. And in 1961, it wasn't about that for them. Mm-hmm. It was about the equality and, and just, um, it's been very moving for me personally, just to be able to be part of this and, uh, part of the everyday continuing education. Um, cause it really wasn't that long ago. If you really think about it, it's 2022 and this happened in 1961. So, um, these guys are still with us. Um, and so it's, it's just very moving. You know, they uh in those 60 years, they've seen they've seen a massive amount of progress in race relations, particularly here in the south where you and I both grew up and that's such a been such a um well, it's just been such a part of of the history of this part of the country and it's been awesome to see how far we've come during that time but these guys were I mean these guys are heroes to do what they did when they did it with the risks that they were taking and I, I love that I mean that was such a strategic way to approach it versus come in here get attention pay the fine whatever that's adding money to a system that sucked and was wrong and what they did is said you know instead of adding money to it except for the one gentleman who you know very understandably wanted to keep his scholarship but they they cost the system money and there's so much thought and intention that went into that and what they did had such a big impact and as you said i mean that that i didn't know i didn't know this story i mean i I knew about you know the jail nobel concept didn't know that started here um that's an amazing thing that started here because it it did gain so much traction that that type of um, thought and then you put clearly i mean i'm looking at those 10 chairs i'm looking at that counter i'm looking at you know where you what happens behind the the counter there that you know makes that the prime seating here uh, I'm looking at the nameplates on there. I'm looking at their names on the walls along here. And then we looked at the, the hallway that tells a story of all that right outside here that you've done. I mean, the amount of attention and thought that, that you've put into this is really, really significant, Rob. What, what, where did all this start for you? What, how did you get involved in this particular story? Um. <clears throat> Well, that's a that's a loaded question. Uh, so I grew up in Rock Hill. So growing up, we went to church, right? I mean, I could hit a golf ball on a, on a really good day um, <laughs> to, to first pres over there. Um, and so, you know, growing up, going to church, we always used to, to you know, come by. And um, we knew the story about the Friendship Nine and – um, but again, it was not anything that was ever really like drilled into us or instilled in us. Um, my mother and her cousins used to come here when it was the McCrory's and buy trinkets off the walls. So, and I didn't know that. I just, so I've always had some type of connection with this building unknowingly. Um, and 
I was in Florida um, a few years ago, and I told our director of operations, I was like, hey, I'd really like to explore the opportunity of doing something in Rock Hill. Uh, we were doing a lot of catering in Rock Hill. We had been become created, become really plugged in in with a lot of the nonprofits around here, the health system and the Piedmont Medical Center and Infinity Health and the Worldly Sports and Girls Camp and the police. And we were just doing a lot of a lot of big end catering down here. And I was like, you know, it'd be I've been able to reconnect. Um, it'd be nice to be able to do something in Rock Hill and, and give back to where I grew up. And that's kind of where that 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 kind of was left. And then. Um, we looked and we just keep looking and kept our finger on the pulse. And then we noticed one day that, um, this building had, had come up for, for lease or for sale. Um, I guess first it was for lease. And so we came and we looked, um, we were interested specifically because of the event space in the back, um, which used to be called the Palmetto room. And it was, uh, it's about 6,500 square feet at the time of like 1991 conference room. I mean, it was dated um <laughs> to to put it politely but it served as function and uh, owning a catering event business it would have been you know it was nice to to see that and then then as we walked further because we came in on the back of white street and i didn't really realize where we were coming to and we realized that this was the old a location a restaurant here prior to us was called the five Dine, and they had been closed down uh, for a couple of years at that point and it had been sitting empty and at that point, I was like, wow, this is actually, you know, where the Friendship Nine, the sit-in occurred, and that was really cool, because I left Rock Hill in 1998 or 97, and didn't come back to the area until 2012, um, so I, I started to remember, you know, th- just the things that I had been told when we were children, and things we learned about in school as we were coming up in social studies and history and stuff like that, um, and... It really was when I got digging into what had happened here and what I when I started to meet with Mr. Williamson that the concept just really came alive. And the thing is, is that the history of what happened here in 1961 is held hostage by the success or the failure of anything that's ever been in this building. Hmm. And that's pretty deep when you think about it. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not really a half-ass kind of guy, um, and that's not the way we treat our any of our divisions of the companies or any of our clients. And so we, I've got a good team, Will, and we thought about it. We thought about it long and hard, and I probably lost a lot of sleep over it. And, you know, this is – this is in the the heart of COVID, brother. I mean, this is like right after the shutdown. Like, yeah. I mean, this is like all in. Um, and they said, uh, or we said, this is what we want to do. And I'd been working with a, this is how all in it is, okay? I've been working with a local bank. So I was going to do a small business loan to get this thing done. And I was like, I've always been with a big bank. And I was like, I'm going to go local, hometown guy, go you know, pay some interest in local bank. COVID happened. Everything shut down. Attorneys looked at me and said, you sure you still want to do this? I said, yeah, I'm in. Bank called. Hey, I know that we've been doing this for about the last seven months, but we're just freezing all of our stuff, so we're not mm-hmm. going to be able to give you 
a small business loan. So, well, that's real exciting. So, pay cash for everything. So, my catering company paid for the entire thing. Mm. So, you want to talk about a time in this country's history when you don't need to be cash poor and I think, you know, yeah. there's no yeah. safety net. Like right. things are shutting down. The create took you know, three quarters of a million dollars off the books, like overnight, just in events that we had coming up. And wow. so like we said, okay, we're in, this is something we believe in. This is something we're going to do. And we, we did it. And we opened on December 15th, 2020. And, uh, let me tell you, it was, it was the right time to open. If there was any time to open in 2020, it was December 15th of 2020. Why is that? And I, I I don't know, but I will tell you that I think it's, we had the holiday bug, the Christmas bug, the election was over. No matter what side of the coin you stood on, it doesn't matter. It was done. Right, right. Because um, that was a lot of that was a lot that just led up to that. That was craziness. Yeah, and it was done. And we had the holiday bug going on, and the vaccine was poking its head through. And again, no, doesn't matter what side of the coin you sit on that. These are realities that are happening in our country at that point. And we spent right. we spent a lot. We did a we did three days of. Uh, family and training and we brought the right right food bloggers in we we just we have a lot we brought the right clients in we i didn't do anything different we didn't do anything different we invited our clients that have been working with us for years Mm. and we spent a lot of money in training and it was awesome and we really hit it on all cylinders and the management team did a great job and our service staff has done a great job and our culinary team done a great job and People really bought into the concept of us cooking behind the counter and creating a new experience, and they loved the new decor, and they loved being able to see the counter, and they loved the hit that we were preserving the history, and we weren't really making this about uh, like what we do. We were making this about what we, what my company and the history of this building can offer together. Um, then we caught um, uh, we caught some national publicity. It was really cool. We had uh, CBS came in from from New York. Um, oh, wow. We got to be on the six o'clock evening news, uh, with, uh, Nora O'Donnell. It was, uh, really, really cool experience. And we, you know, so that gained a lot of national traction and then, then with, you know, working with visit York County and them, you know, and, and working with their programs and their food bloggers and writers that would come through. And we were were one of the stops for them and they enjoyed everything and they would go on and blog and write about what we were doing here at counter. And, so that's why I think it was the right time because it was just there was no right time to open in 2020 and we're still in a pandemic yeah. and we but we but we're in a spot now that uh, we're very fortunate very blessed we stay busy we 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 enjoy we enjoy what we do um, and people can feel that people when they come in here there's a special energy and but it's not just the energy that me or my team gives off. It's the energy of this building. It's got mm. its own energy. Yeah. Uh, it really, really does. Um, we dress right, dress these seats every day, just like this. Because when we walk away, we want – it's just a weird thing in my head, but I want the guys that aren't with us anymore to be able to feel like they can walk in the door and have a seat, if that makes yeah. sense. But um, it's very – this is very personal to me. Um, so when I say – when we say we were all in, like – 
I went all in on this thing. Yes, you did. It was not, yeah, there was no, no bank to pay for this. Um, that's a cool, it's very humbling experience or feeling to watch people come and enjoy something that you've just put so much into that you deeply care about. Um, and they enjoy it. They have a great time. And, uh, you, you got that random few folks that, you know, this isn't for them, but that is the far into the minority of what, what we are doing here. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool cause we've got people that come in they're on the way to Florida for, or Myrtle Beach or somewhere. They're coming in from Ohio. They're traveling north from Florida, and they kick off on 77, and they hop on Dave Long, and they come down to downtown Rock Hill. And it's like, how'd you hear about us? And they're like, well, we saw a piece on CBS, or we saw you on TikTok, or we saw you this, or we saw you that. And you're like, wow. Like, they, these people would have never come here. Um, and they're not necessarily coming here just for like us and what we're doing for the food. They're coming here for, to experience the history and see what yep. happened here, but they get here and they get the whole package or they're coming just for the food and just for the reputation that we've built. And they don't know about the history here and they get here and they're educated about the history. And I can't tell you, well, I can't count on both my hands. The times that I've seen grown men sit at this counter and not understand what happened until they were here. And they have grown men have just started crying Mm. from sitting here and like hearing all of our team, all of our staff is very well versed about what happened here. It's prereq to like get on the floor here or be behind the counter as a bartender. You have to understand and really know what happened here because people ask. Um, And it's part of their jobs and part of my job to continue to tell the story. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I I love how y'all have really turned something that was um, so hard and so negative into a really positive thing. And then you've embraced it and you're celebrating it. And it's, it's, it's a great example of, of taking, you know, um, things that happen in life that you can, that are, that are objectively bad and negative, but then finding a way to turn that into something really positive. I mean, that, that's something you have to do as a business owner all the time. That's something you every restaurant had to do with the pandemic. I mean, you know, you've got this horrible thing, but it happened. You can't control it. It's there. How do we turn it into something positive? Um, and taking this, this story and doing what y'all have done is just, I mean, it, it's, it's really, really cool, man. And it is, you, you just sit here and y'all are closed right now today, but you can, you can sense something special about this place. And then you, you got, you got the, the city has this awesome um, sign out front telling the story. You've got the, the, you know, hallway honoring it. So it's, uh, it's impressive, man. I mean, this is a, this is quite an operation you all pulled off and the success. And I mean, I have to ask this question. I mean, do you feel the, the, like the pressure of, succeeding because you're because you're honoring these men and this story does it put even more pressure on you to make counter successful um i think it puts more pressure on me personally to stay fresh and stay relevant and keep it pushes me personally as a chef and as a as a business owner to continue to push the envelope on what, what we do culinary cocktail and service wise. Yeah. Um, to, to accent what continue to accent and stay 
on top of our it's, it makes me stay on top of my game yeah yeah you, you know because yeah at the end of the day like like i referenced a little while ago it, the history of the counter like if i close those doors right like nobody can come in yeah you know i mean it'll get something will get open again like but how long would that take or will the city take the bill like there's so many open questions right so um yeah i have i have very long-term plans for this building as you and i were talking about earlier um to make sure that that doesn't happen and make sure that i can keep my finger on the pulse and make sure that the history never gets forgotten here um because it, it it is so important well so rock hill the city you know, um, for those that don't know, this is, you know, you, you may, you if you don't live in the southeast of the Carolinas or you, have, you don't know Rock Hill, it's south of Charlotte, you may know where that is. I mean, Charlotte's right on the north and south Carolina line. Rock Hill is, what, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes from yeah, downtown minutes, Charlotte. Yeah. Um, small town that has, ha, Rock Hill's been an, an interesting place because, um, you know, as I told you, I had not been to the downtown area. And when I got here a little bit early and walked around, I mean, downtown Rock Hill is phenomenal. There's a just a really cool vibe here. That The town has done a great job, clearly, of a, um, drawing awesome businesses like yours and, and clearly plenty of others here. Rock Hill's done a lot with, um, uh, I guess, an active lifestyle i know like they have the bmx park that's here that people are coming from like i guess all over the world if i understand correctly um uh there's the the river walk there's i mean the 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 leadership here has clearly embraced um you know an energy and a vibrancy and a, a a lifestyle of you know being active and healthy and so forth i mean that's that i know just from outside looking in um the I'm curious how you've interacted with the town, the city, the leadership here with this story. And, you know, because it's in some ways it, it reminds people of a a negative event in the past that maybe some, I don't know, maybe want to forget. I mean, I, I, I think what you're doing is awesome and embracing it and turning it into this positive thing. But has there been any of that or? Rock Hill has been very, very supportive. Uh, the leadership in Rock Hill, I mean, I mean, we get again, we get all walks of life that come in here from. I mean, the mayor's in here all the time eating. Uh, city council's in here all the time eating. We've got, you know, we get everybody from the principals to the superintendents. To the, I mean, listen, we get everybody. Everybody's super, very, very supportive. I, you know, I, I grew up here, um, so this is kind of like hometown boy coming back giving back um we do we try to give back to the community as much as we can with everything that we do will um you know we pay a lot of taxes so i mean the city likes that that's for sure Sure but yeah um we also do we have a community cocktail program um that we put together and Alicia Fernandez, our director of operations, kind of doubles as our mixologist as well. So she comes up with a new cocktail every month, and we pick a um, a nonprofit that is near and dear to our hearts, or one of our employees' hearts, um, or just is, or or someone new that's starting out that that could use some help in the nonprofit world, and we 
put it on our menu is our we call it our community cocktail program. So, and then we we have its own section in the menu, and we talk about all of our social media. And for about forty days, a little over a month, we run this cocktail, and then when the proceeds go back to that organization. So, um, it's been really cool. I think you know within our first year of, um. Well, I think we we donated. We started it. We started, I guess, in February about a year ago. And I think just with calendar year last year, we donated over twenty some thousand dollars to nice to just local organizations, local nonprofits, Heart to Heart Foundation, Affinity Health, Boy These Boys and Girls Club, uh, you know, Men's Haven, um, and and multiple others uh, that I'm not not saying right now. But um, so yeah, I mean, I think Rock Hill has welcomed us. Um, very graciously, you know, and, and, and surrounding. We get a lot we do get a lot of people from Charlotte that come down. We get a lot of people from Columbia that drive up. We get a lot of people from Waxhaw and TUK and we get a lot of people from Fort Mill. We get a lot of people from Lake Wiley. Yeah. Uh, we we get a lot of people from a lot of places. I mean we've become a destination to, to come to. Um and that's uh, again to attributed to a lot of factors. The factor the fact that we care and that we that we want to be here. Um the fact of the history the fact that we put out a, a quality product and, and, and again, that we just care. Uh, we don't do this. I, I do this because I love to do this. Yeah, I can tell. Um, I, I don't tell. do it because I just wanted to pick something to do one day. Yeah. Um, what, what, let me, well, how did you get started in hospitality? What's your backstory, man? Because you've been in a lot of places. You've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I have. Um, I started cooking when I was five in my grandmother's kitchen, um, not knowing what the hell I was doing. But I sure was telling her how to ma- how she was making the cookies wrong, um, and for any five year old to tell you that that's the story. Listen, that's from her mouth, okay, not mine, because I don't remember all that when that's I was hilarious. when I was five. Uh, she's ninety six now, and she still cooks, and we still cook together. And she does uh, for Thanksgiving's great. Everybody always says, "Chef, what are you cooking for Thanksgiving?" I'm like, I do the bird. That's the only thing I do. I fry the bird, and because my grandmother still does everything else. Ninety six, and I'm like. And they're like, that's awesome. I'm, and I'm going to enjoy that for as long as I can. That's now so my awesome. brother and my sister and myself, we help her put things together. But she's, yeah, lives in the same house by herself. She's she been great. down here? She's in Winston-Salem. Has she so, been oh, She has been to counter. Awesome. Yes, of course. Uh, and uh, we brought her down for Mother's Day. And she had, she had a ball. But uh, so um, from there, you know, high school, cooking, odd jobs, worked for Outback, worked for a Charlie's, worked for a number of places, um, left in 97, went down to Charleston, um, from Charleston came back to Rock Hill, um, to health issues with my family, some things like that with my parents, and then from here, uh, went to, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and then I was in Columbia for a couple of years, and then I went to Raleigh, and outside of Raleigh, I was cooking in Raleigh. Um, and I took my first executive chef position in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, out of Raleigh. And I was the executive chef for a place called the Mash House down there. And did that for a couple of years. Uh, when, when was this? I'm trying. This was 2002. Okay. All right. Um, so, no, 2003. I'm sorry. And then I opened, did a couple years there. And then I opened my first restaurant in downtown Fayetteville called the brazen rabbit and it was in the bottom of prince charles clarion hotel and it was awesome and it was a failure it was the biggest thing it was i was the young gun chef that got involved with uh a buddy of mine 
that was about 20 years older than I was and his wife, and they took advantage of everything that I had to offer. And in hindsight, it was uh, the best, the worst business move I've ever made and the best at the same time because I learned, uh, I just learned a lot about people, learned a lot mm. about business, I learned about a lot about being taken advantage of. Yeah. And I learned a lot about business partners. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. So that was tough, and I was young. And I had, you know, investment from my family. I had investment from the, their family, and they just, they just took, you know, they took all the money and ran. Basically, mm. we were open for a while, so I walked away with a bottle of wine and my recipe book. From That's that, it. Huh? From that restaurant. How long were you there? We were there. We were open. I was there for right under a year. Okay. I went to the through the office one day, and I. The long story we won't get into, but I basically found in the state of North Carolina, you have to file your paperwork to, you know, create your, make your LLC legal. Yeah. And there was some forging on the documentation that said basically it was supposed to be a 50-50 partnership and it turned into a 49-49-2. And the two was never supposed to be on there. So basically they had controlling interest of the, of the company. Oh, so I was like, dude. whoa. Um, and so they didn't last much longer after that, but they decided to put all the sales and use tax in their pocket and didn't do any of the things with the federal at the end of the year. Nobody got a W2. It was just like, it was a bad thing. They went, they got in trouble. They got big trouble for it. Went to jail kind of trouble. Yeah. So I had been talking, um, to a local business owner, um, uh, Bill Panhoff was his name and he owned a catering company out in Spring Lake, North Carolina, uh, he was awesome. Been in business since 1990. Wonderful dude. We'd always talked about doing stuff together while we were working for the March of Time Chefs auctions and just different things throughout throughout our knowing each other. And I called him and I said, Bill, I need work. What you got? And he's like, what's going on? I told him. He goes, come on. I said, I don't know what I got, but I'll make something. So I took the executive chef position um, and, at, at his company and was there for about seven years. Um, and th- this was in Fayetteville? This was right. Yep. Okay. In, in Fayetteville. And so I, and I got to do, you know, he would get on the, he was working with a company called Cater Source and he was a speaker for them. And I got involved in speaking and teaching with him and we would travel all over the country doing this. And I would go, I got involved with a couple other chefs, one from Omaha and one from Denver. And we would, we would collectively um, plan the opening gala for this company called Cater Source, which is still a great company, great resource for caterers and chefs and event planners from all over the world. Uh, but we would do the opening gala for three or 4,000 people out in Vegas or in New Orleans or wherever it would be, and we'd just, just create some of the craziest events um, that you've ever seen. But then, you know, we would do, you know, I was, we would do a lot mainly in the Carolinas with his company. Um, and so then I <clears throat> came, I took it, then I actually uh, got the opportunity. I went and did dinner for, uh, one of the generals on Fort Bragg one night showed up without doing my homework. Um, I was the server. It was only eight people. I was the server. I was the chef. I was everything. We didn't have anybody to help, so I took care of it by myself. And it turned out to be, um, you know, a gentleman uh, by the name of Basur Bayat that owns all the tele- telecommunications in um, Afghanistan and that part of the in Indian and that part of the world. And he was doing. They were having some high end conversations about things that were going on in our military world. And uh, so I sat there and cooked dinner in the kitchen with CIA, with with uh, Afghan 
army and like i knew that i was definitely out of my comfort zone and element at that that night but i tell you what i would have brought like 10 more people with me if i had known that but i didn't have my information right so at the end of that dinner um i was invited to come be a judge on the uh television show called 59 minutes and then in that same conversation, they were like, you know, we've never had an American chef compete. So how would you like to be the first American chef to compete in television, in the syndication 59 Minutes, which is exactly like, which is their version of Iron Chef. Wait, so, and where is it? This is filmed in Afghanistan. Oh, it's in, in Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Kabul, Afghanistan. Oh, my gosh. So um, I said, well, sure, that'd be great. Yada, yada. We could talk about this for hours. But I said, sure, that'd be great. And uh, they said, okay, well, I have somebody to get in touch, blah, blah, blah. Week went by, I didn't hear anything. Two weeks by, I didn't hear anything. About four weeks later, I get a phone call from a random lady out of New Jersey saying, Chef Rob, how's your schedule looking for next year? We want to need to get your visas lined up, and we want you to come out, and we want to we let you go hang out in Dubai for a little while, and we want to bring you over from Dubai. We want to bring you over to Kabul, and we want to – we want to have you compete. And then, brother, we're in the middle of war. This is 2011. Yeah, this okay. is crazy. Yeah. They're filming the show yeah. in Kabul during... Yep. Wow. And so they're... they're uh, oh, God. So I go over, and uh, first of all, I said, I'm still working for somebody else, right? So I'm like, hey, like, this is the opportunity I've got to do. And I'm talking to my boss, and he's like... Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's such a good idea. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, what? I don't think you heard me correctly. Like, I'm gonna go do this. <laughs> Would you like to be a part of it? Because I can bring somebody that I can bring a sous chef. Um, he's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, I'm gonna do this. So, lo- trust me, we were very well connected in when we went over there. We had the special operations had a red line on us. We had sat phones. We were, we were good. They knew everywhere we were at every second. Didn't mean anybody couldn't get us. Just means that they would have known our last point of origin. But, um, so yeah, that was, uh, I went over, competed. Um, it was awesome. The audience was active duty, Marine Corps, army, Navy, air force. Um, and the national, the women's national volleyball team from Afghanistan. If you didn't even know that they had one, I didn't at the time, but, um, and the judges panel was, uh, Afghan parliament, uh, high ranking member of NATO and, uh, a colonel in the U S army that was over there. So that was an experience of a lifetime. I mean, it's still to this day. I mean, it's the only show wow. I mean, you can, you can read about it over there when you're done or when we're done. But, um, that was, really cool so i got to come back and talk about that and continue the national circuit speaking and just doing some different things and then i after that i came up to consult for a local brewery in charlotte uh, prior to them opening and i hit it off really well with the owner there and i had worked with the brewmaster there at the mash house in 2003 four and so they said hey instead of just consulting why don't you just why don't i just offer you a big job and come do it so I came up and came back to the Charlotte area in 2000, late 2012, and I helped build and I opened Heist Brewery in Noda. Oh, yeah, Heist. Okay. So I built their culinary program there and their brunches and their catering and all yeah. that stuff there um, and really enjoyed it, but just we kept getting crazy and kept getting busy, and my clients were like, 
hey, chef, I don't care who I'm writing a check to as long as you're doing it. So um, I opened Create in late 2014 with $500 in a Bank of America bank account. And that was, there was Create. And so I started traveling all over the country throwing parties. And I linked up with a national company that, uh, we quoted a job for them out at the Aviation Museum in Charlotte, and they said, you know, I love this so much. Can you can you recreate this this event multiple times at different locations in the country? And so Phoenix Art Museum, Dallas, Texas, and Washington, all over the place. And they paid me a whole lot of money to do that. And instead of just pissing that money away, I reinvested it in the company and bought things and bought vehicles and bought inventory and bought things and started our rental company and so turned five hundred dollars into that. Um, so wow. really cool. No bank loans, no anything. Um, Dude, that's impressive. And then through the catering and events, um, I met. I had a client of mine that we worked closely together. Big firm. Um, his son was getting married in out of town, and he asked me. He said, "Hey, can you? Would you like to help?" Or can you help? Can you quote me? I'd love to bring you down to Florida. I'd love to see you see the area we're at. Um, said sure. So went down there and to a little place called Seaside, Florida, in between Panama City and Destin. And long story short, there fell in love with the place. Fell in love with in, in Seaside, the heart of Seaside. They've got these airstreams, and there's the food and beverage for. There's, if you ever seen uh, what's the movie? Um, God, I'm drawing a blank right now. Is it the Truman? Truman Stroke. Yep. So the Truman Show was filmed in Seaside. Thank okay. you. Okay, I remember I remember and, hearing something about that. And then, so I was like, man, it'd be really cool to do one of those airstreams. And so, lo and behold, me, I became business partners with the bride and groom um, from down there, and we opened uh, Crepes du Soleil in 2018. Um, and I'd had now listen. I'd had a long time to think about business partners and. But it works for me there, um, and it, they're awesome. Jay and Liz are awesome folks down there, and we uh, we just hit it off from the beginning. And of course, I've been family friends with their with Jay's parents for years, and have come to know Liz's parents really well. Um, but we opened a little creperie. We bought a 1972 Tradewind 25 Airstream, and we were able. Seaside gave us their blessing on opening the creperie, and we put an airstream on 30a it never moves it's awesome and it's gangbusters um and then seaside asked if we'd like to do another concept the next year the very following year and we all looked at each other and we go i think we're crazy but how can we say no so we opened a little cuban restaurant called cocina cubana uh, which is about 20 yards across the street from from uh from the crepery now okay where were you living (laughs) when you for all this yeah, for um, for the when you were when you started the Florida gig, I, I was mean, living you, here, but you, I have placed there as well. Okay, so I was bouncing back and forth. Okay, um, so it was you actually flying. I would fly Destin, into Panama right? City, Panama City. Okay. Yeah, flying to Panama City, and depending on how long I would be gone for, I'd have my jeep at the airport. I'd hop in the jeep, drive in thirty five minutes into Seaside, leave it, leave it there, hang out, do what I needed to do there for a week, two weeks. Sometimes, I mean, just depends. I was there for a couple months before. Hmm. Um, and, but, but you have to have a great team cause I was still, we were still operating here. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's all about a long time. We're a small business too. We're, we're chump change compared to like big world stuff. Yeah. But 
we we do big things for small business we do big things right and but i realized a long time ago that create encounter and twisted eats and cuisine cabana and crepes de soleil like everything is much bigger than me and I can't do it on my own and I have to have a great team surrounding me. Okay. So the first thing I said to you when we started this was, you know, you must delegate really well because you have a lot of things going on in a lot of places. And you said, well, you got to have a great team. And you've said that half a dozen times. Um, so clearly you have a great team. My question is because this, this is a big dilemma for a lot of people in this industry is particularly over the last couple of years is building a great team and keeping a great team is, is no small challenge, dude. So like if you, you have a great team, you have figured out something like you figured out a way to find and keep great people. Uh, that's not luck clearly. So you're good at it and you have a, it's done with intention and with a lot of thought. I'd love to, to, find out how you do that so well because to me all this whole world of hospitality i think it it goes without saying got to have good food you got to have good drinks you got to have good ambience it helps even more when you have a great story i mean this is like the coolest story ever here but if you don't have good people you can just Forget it because, you know, that's what makes – that's what when the couple comes in the door that's here for the first time, you know, or the family or the guy or the gal or whatever, it's that that experience they have and the interaction they have with whoever is serving them and whoever is interacting with them. It's so freaking critical. Like, it's such a people business. And it's – seems to me outside looking in it's just getting harder and harder to find and keep really good people but you're doing it and you're doing it in you know uh, two different states or three states actually <laughs> so tell yeah, me about that I mean, man it, trust me you you're not the first person to ask this question <clears throat> um and it's not really rocket science you have to treat people with respect. You have to pay people a decent wage, a livable wage, a way, something that they could pay the bills on. You have to you have to have people that are bought into what you're doing. You have to give your team the tools to do their job. Um, that doesn't mean that when they ask for something, you just buy it. But I can't expect somebody to do a job if I don't give them the appropriate tools. Yeah, yeah. I don't expect anybody on my team to do a job that I've not personally showed them that I can do, that I've done. I'll scrub the floors at 2.30 in the morning with the culinary team. I love it. I get on my hands and knees back there. I'll, but I bust tables in the dining room when the hostess and the, or the host is a little tied up. I talk to every table that comes in here, every one of them. My managers still talk to the tables. Every table that comes in here, I talk to. How you doing? Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Now, I might miss a few here and there if I'm on the line or if I'm cooking back here, but I can stand there and encounter. I can see everybody that comes in the door. I can watch that computer right there and know exactly what's going on in the kitchen without having to ask anybody a word. Um, 
but you also have to trust people. You have to, you have to trust that they're going to make the best decision. And that's the hardest part sometimes is instilling trust because unfortunately we are in an industry that, you know, people will take things that don't belong to them or it's very easy to spend somebody else's money kind of scenario. Um, when it's, Mm. when you're not the one paying for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but you have to reward people for doing a good job. People just want to be treated with respect at the end of the day. Will yeah, they, they, they want, but I also provide them. We also provide them with a place that they can come in and if they do their job, then they're going to make money because I'm giving them the tools to do this. Mm. We're kicking out a product that they're proud of, that they're happy to serve, that they know how to talk about. They know what's going on. So when they're at a table, they can speak with confidence about what's about to come out because our culinary team does their job on pushing it out. And our service team does their job on making sure that their service is great. And our management team does their job on making sure that everybody is doing it. So at the end of the day, we're staying in our lanes. Um, and if we have an issue, cause we're not perfect. Listen, we have turnover and we've made some bad hires and we, we understand that not everybody is here for life. Um, but <clears throat> we also go about it as if there's an issue, then we're going to, we're going to discuss it. We can, we can catch on fire in the back, but if the table, if table 42 doesn't feel that fire, then we've done our jobs because we can work out anything in the back. Yeah, can, there is right. no front of the house, back of the house animosity here. There is none of that. Um, <clears throat> we pay our culinary members well. Um, that's part of the that's part of the thing that like not everybody can pay people fifteen, eighteen, twenty some dollars an hour. But when you really break down the math, like if you don't, how much turnover are you doing? How much does it cost you to train these people? When you have this constant turnover, how, if you've got somebody out there that's burning 500 steaks before you hire somebody else to work on the grill, how much money did that just cost you? So it's just looking at it from a different perspective is what I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, trust me, I can, I, I'm not that selfish business owner that has to like, you can't live off of $9 an hour anymore. Right. You just yeah. can't. No. You can't. You can't yeah. live off of. You can't. you can't live off of ten or eleven dollars an hour. But well, I'm especially asking, now with inflation going up, it's just making that even harder. harder. So. But I'm asking people to come in here and spend eight and nine and ten hours of their day or longer sometimes with me and us, and taking away the time from their families. And well, I've lost two marriages over this profession, so. I'm not one to say how to do it, but I am one to say this is what I don't want you to do because mm. this is what I did. Yeah. And so if I can give you a work-life balance, treat you with respect as a human, value your opinion, give you the tools to do your job, and trust that you're going to make the best decisions, um, people tend to say, hey, this is a cool place to work. I really like the culture here. I really like what these guys are building. I believe in it. I can make some money, and I can still hang out with my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, children, dog, whatever. Um, I mean, it's not rocket science, but that's it. There's no, like, formula. Well, there is a formula in a way. You laid it out, and it's not rocket science, but – and it's, it's not um, – you laid it out as a formula, but, but to your point, 
there is no exact science to this. It's, uh, you've learned a lot. I can tell about people, about business partners, about, about, you know, losing marriages and, uh, you know, you've earned, uh, a lot of wisdom and that wisdom has helped lead you, I think, to understand people really well and how to treat people. Um, it is something that a lot of people in this industry, uh, get wrong I think sometimes because of ego like you talked about scrubbing the floors at 2 30 in the morning and you know you're leading by example there's a lot of people that you know sure. they don't want to do those things because they're in charge and they are there they, they own and you know other people should do that but you set an example that people will follow because you're showing that you're not too good to do that so there's the lack of ego is important the understanding of of treating people with respect, which you mentioned, which is so important, which ironically, how ironic is it that you're so attuned to that when like this whole story started with, you know, 10 people that were treated with zero respect um, and, you know, a whole society that treated a whole other part of society with no respect. Um, So it is, it is a big part of it. Um, It is a, it's a, I find it to be, to me, it's like the most, um, important yet challenging part of of this world that you live in of hospitality is is getting good people who understand that who understand that they're being validated and treated so well who then in turn take that and what what you've provided for them and then that's how they wind up treating your guests so well and then this is what it comes back to why I asked this question is it's all about people i mean if you've got great people here which you've said you have and you do clearly you can't do so well without that but boy it is like it's it's just it's amazing to me because like this industry is on one end on like the polar opposite end of the the industry that you're in like fast food big chain like everything's going to be automated mcdonald's will probably have like one person in there in 10 years, just like fine tuning all the equipment that flips the burgers and and all that kind of stuff. And there's a need for that. And there's a place for that. Like there's times when that's what you want. I mean, I had four kids with me coming back from sugar mountain yesterday and we went to, I won't name the place, but it was like a quote fast food place because we just wanted something quick because we were tired and we were driving home and there were a lot of people in there and it was super slow and it's like (laughs) this isn't fast food like that's when you want that but when you want to come in and have a good experience and celebrate with your family or mourn with your family or go on a date night or you know have a anniversary or any special experience or you just want to be by yourself and go somewhere cool for a while and be treated well like that's this and that's this other end of the extreme there which is like always going to be reliant on people and i just find that dichotomy this like bifurcation of of this world so interesting because because as much as i mean here i am you know an owner of a software business but as much as technology has its role uh and efficiencies have their role people man like that's what everything i mean particularly in independent hospitality like what y'all do for the towns you're in and the cities you're in is provide these gathering places for like people to celebrate their important events in life. I mean, that's what it's all about. This is where they come. They come to cool places like yours, like counter and thousands and thousands of other ones. 
All of them, without question, have always got to have really good people. So I hope that people will learn from guys like you, and I'm talking about owners and aspiring owners, that they'll listen to this and that they will understand what you understand, that inherent value of those people. Because without that, like, we're just not going to have good hospitality. I mean, there'll be fewer and fewer establishments. Guys like you and your team will keep doing well, but there'll be fewer and fewer because, you know, it. I don't know what's happened the last couple of years, but a lot of people left this industry. I don't know if they're coming back or not, but I think that's, that's, you could do a whole podcast on that itself. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're right. I mean, this industry, I mean, I, I think in all industries, I, I think COVID really changed the dynamic of, of staffing and employment for all industries. Yeah, it for sure. It really did. I mean, it did. And we're, we're, I work with clients, that make worldly decisions like and so i hear it and i watch it trickle down through the supply chains yeah and people some people are like oh well people just got lazy and and they want to get a government handout and they want i mean you you heard all this i mean this is, especially in this listen we're not talking not ever not everybody in this industry makes a hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. right okay we're talking about Rock Hill, South Carolina, and wait staff and, and culinary teams. So like, we're not paying everybody $100,000, $150,000 a year in here, okay? But you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, they're just lazy. They just want to get a handout. They don't want to come back to work. And there definitely is that out there. But there's also that single mother or single father out there that's like, I really want to go back to work, but I can't even find anybody to watch my children because I can't find a babysitter because – they yeah. don't want to, they can't work or they don't want to work. So I can't go to work because it costs more money to go to work than, and then I don't have anybody to watch my kids. So it's such a, the circle is really interesting to watch from, from the sidelines. Um, and then we can't get food or we can't get, I mean, this is stuff that every one of your listeners is going through. Oh, well, it'll Whatever food service company says, well, sorry, it's not my fault. It just didn't come in. Well, who do we hold accountable? COVID. 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 It's, that's the end. <sighs> People don't want to come to work. But you're sick. I got COVID. Okay, well, you're out for a week, two weeks. See you later. Yeah. Do you really? Because you can't really ask anybody to go to the doctor anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that's very, been one I know. There's very, been, there's been very interesting. Lot. Yeah, um, yeah. But not to get down that rabbit hole, and luckily we don't have to deal with that, but I've got a lot of, a lot of, people that are that deal with that on a daily basis in their businesses um and you know of course we've had people that have not been able to come to work but it's but they want to come back to work you know we've got a good team so if you i guess if you surround yourself with good people at the end of the day will you'll never fail my granddad told me that a long time ago long time ago and it's true it's really true yeah um surround yourself with good people you're a product of your environment you sure really are. You are a product of your environment. That yeah, is for sure. You really are. So. My granddad used to say the best wit bought wit. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you, and I've, I mean, look, like you said, it was the, the thing in Fayetteville. The first one was like the hardest thing, but the best thing. Cause you learn so much. Like, you know, you, you think back of like the worst times in your life or the hardest things you've been through. And you're like, I mean, we went through one not long ago. You know, like, it, it sucks, but then you, you get better. It, it, you can let things break you, or you can say, okay, I just bought some wit. Like, I understand something better now, and I'm going to use that as an advantage going forward and grow from that. Um, and, you know, 
um, clearly early on you learned about surrounding yourself. I mean, get go first one, like, okay, okay. I gotta, I gotta be real careful with the people that, that I surround myself with. And, you know, so tough lesson, but good lesson to learn early, you know, early on, um, when there was less on the line, I have to commend you for dude taking that risk. I mean, this has turned out great. I can tell, uh, and it's going to be a great thing for you for a long time, but, but freaking banks turning away and taking that risk and pushing the chips in like that on, on such a big thing. And then, you know, in the, cause when you started this project, I mean, dude, who knew, who knew what was going to happen with restaurants? Like yeah. they're closed, there's mandates, people are scared to go out. Like kudos, man. I mean, you know, but that's the best stories, you know, for entrepreneurs or people that, had some guts and took some risks and had some faith and belief and believed in themselves and believed in the people around them and, you know, bet on the long term and, you know, so it's freaking awesome, man. I commend Thank you, you for doing that. Yeah. yeah. We need more people to do that, you know, take those kinds of risks and believe in themselves. Um, well, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm, uh, you talked about people coming from all around. I, like I'm going to get my wife down here very soon for a date night. Cause it's, this is cool hanging out with you, but I want to, I want to sit up here and, and, and partake and enjoy this. Yeah. Man. We're well, gonna... Let me know and kick me a message. We'll get you a reservation. Um, definitely. It's, it's really cool because if you want to come on a Friday or Saturday night, we got to get your reservation like two weeks out. That's amazing. Isn't that cool. That's freaking it's super awesome. cool. We're still like in this thing called COVID and like just yeah, it's cool. That's you can't so just cool. walk in, but I'll make sure that, uh, I come up and cook for you guys. We'll get you the red chairs right here. We'll get you the premier seats. Just kick me a message, work it out with your wife, and let me know when y'all want to come, and I'll get you in. As long as I'm not in Florida or at an, at an event, I will, I'll be here to cook for you. How often do you go to Florida nowadays? Um, so I'll start. I usually don't go November, December because we've got – it's a little downtick there. Um, but it's crazy for us catering and events here November, December. Um, and then January, we closed both locations down there for about two weeks to just do some routine maintenance, get some polishing, get some shining going on. Um, and then we get light all the fires, kick all the tires back up, gearing up in February. And then I'll start going down next month again. We'll go down. I'll go down for next month. I think I'm going down for 10 days. And then following month, I'll go down for four or five or six or so. I pretty much skip out on four months out of the year down there, but I'm down there every month after that. Gotcha. So it's really a cool but again like to be able to walk away now listen i'm in constant contact with the general manager i like i know what's going on there all yeah the time, sure sure but i definitely don't i mean, don't have to be there to during those times to to function to make it function so Just to your point you got good people that you can trust and you've given them you know when you don't when you learn to let go of things and not have to control things that's a you know and delegate well, to you, good people. When you have good people and you pay them to do a job, let's let that's, them do the job. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's not micromanage it. Do you, do you, do you, uh, do you fly commercial or do you have a pilot's license or? No, <laughs> I fly commercial. Yeah. No, I'm not at the, uh, I think I'd probably be too scared to fly myself. Um, but no, I, and I'm in circles with people that do that and yeah. I think I'll let them do that. Um, no, I fly commercial down there. It's an hour and 10 minute flight. It's very simple. Yeah. Um, and I like the, I like flying. I like the airports. I like, I like being around people. I'm a people person. Yeah. I talk to anybody. Um, but yeah, so no, it's, it's easy to just get down there and hop in and listen, my work days are a little different when I'm in Florida. You know, they're not, they're not 15, 20 hour days. Yeah. They don't have to be. 
Um, not that every day here is, but listen, I'm here for, I'm here a lot. I like it. Yeah. This is just in my blood for at a certain point. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Housework's done. Dog's taken care of. We're good to go. I'm, I'm at work. This is where, this is where I network. This is what I do. Yeah. It could be anywhere downtown and it's just, I like, I like to be around the people. So yeah. 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 That's good. Sounds like you got a pretty good little gig, man. Yeah, so man. you've done uh, last thing I got to ask you, you've done quite a few things in the last five years. Yep. Uh, do you, do you have something else? I know you have yeah. the, you know, some things around here, but I mean like anything else? Um, we're going to be building a new kitchen here in physical year, 2022. Yep. Um, a so new we, kitchen, new kitchen in Rock Hill to okay. support our catering and our events. Uh, um, okay. And to commissary our food truck out of, we're mm-hmm. going to be opening a new twisted eats location here in Rock Hill, um, either end of this year or early 23. And, um, we may have another something on the horizon in Florida, but so that's, uh, you know, and then the cup, then I've got a counter provision and butchery concept that we're working on. We're just waiting for the right space for that in which we know that is, but it might, that might be two years out. So, and after that, I think I'm going to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Right, man. Uh, Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. uh, Listen, I think that at that point, I think that, uh, I mean, when I say relax, I'll still work. I'm not going to retire, but I think that I'll just, that's enough. There's certain thing called being spread too thin. Uh, A million percent. I completely agree. Yeah. So, um, and I'd like to, I enjoy fishing. Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing different things. Um, It all involves cooking and it all involves people, but I enjoy as much as I enjoy sitting here and cooking, I enjoy being on the boat and fishing and, and hanging out and spending time with my kids. And, you know, there's a lot that needs to happen there too. So, yeah. Fly rod or spinning reel or both? Uh, I actually went fly fishing for the first time this past year. And, Did you? And Nashville was awesome. But I'm an intercoastal water. Uh, we've got a little place on the lower rider banks. And so as much time as we can spend down there fishing, it's, it's my nice. happy place. Nice. So, yeah, we've families had property there since 49. Okay. So it's like I've been going there since I was zero. So That's awesome. Like, yeah, it's beautiful. God's country there, man. But I've ne- I've been in North Carolina my whole life. I've never been to the Outer Banks. Man, you got to go. I know. Yeah. It's, it's a long way. It's, yeah, it's not It's, really it's not as long as it used to be. There's some bypasses and stuff like that now. Um, but we've always gone. Well, I mean, I lived in Wrightsville Beach for a year, year and a half out of college. We always wind up down in the South Carolina beaches. My mom grew up in Georgetown, so we get, we used to go to Polly's all the time and stuff yeah, like that. But I've not been to the Outer Banks. I need to get out there. You should. It's it's a good it's time, and you need to get out. You need to get out seaside and come see us out there. I want to check that out. I, yeah. I've seen that Truman show. That looks. I remember you, when you started saying that. I remember hearing it was somewhere down there. So that, that yeah. yeah, it's a cool little setup. Down it, is there, a it looks like cool setup down there and Highway 30A and just. I mean, it's it's beautiful down there. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, all right. We'll we'll have to make that happen. Uh, but I went down to Destin. Uh, gosh, it's been six or seven years ago. I guess it's hard to believe. We used to do a lot of film work with Schedule Fly. We would go film like people like you that own restaurants and t- and kind of share their stories in like little short films. And we went down there. We went and uh, we met with Chester Crager over there at Fudpuckers. You ever been yeah, to Fudpuckers? Yeah, they got the have, alligators yeah. there yep. and all that stuff. Yep. Man, that place is like yeah. one heck of an operation. Um, but uh, we had a good time down there. It's a good yeah, area. It's yeah. a good area to be in. Uh, Seaside's a little more, a little more chill. Yeah, than Destin. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's a good time. If you ever want to come down, it'd be great. We'll schedule it and 
get you guys to start doing those doing those things again. You got two uh, spots you can, that are already clients come down there for. Come down there and do that. Yeah. Well, look, man, I appreciate this. This has been a lot of fun. I, I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, I salute what you've done here of all your places, but this is just such a cool story. So people that are listening, they're from all over, right? Uh, where, what's the best place for them to find more about what you've done here and what you've done at your other, um, um, I mean, obviously we can get on the websites. You can go to uh, counter. Remember that's counter with a K counterdining.com counterdining.com, or you can look at create and that's spelled with a K and that's K R E the number eight, uh, events.com. That's okay. event plural. Um, so yeah, I mean, Google Box is always something good to see. If you want to, I mean, if you want to see anything on the Florida locations, that's gazebogourmet dot com. Um, but yeah, or just come down and see us encounter. So well, if yeah, so if you're anywhere, you know, in the Carolinas, uh, particular, you know, you're a short drive away. So counter dining guy come check this place out y'all it is so cool and that that counter being the original one that kind of gives you chill i mean literally like that gives you chills knowing that that's been there for all those years and what the history that that saw and still represents so all right man we'll wrap this um thank you very much thank you for having me it's a pleasure yeah yeah thank y'all for what you do Uh, thank you man we we appreciate the business very much awesome all right man thank you that's a wrap